All right. Well, welcome to Quarter Baptist Church on this Resurrection Sunday. Let's go ahead and dismiss our Sunday school classes. So first, second, third graders, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, and then the seventh through the twelfth graders, you can also head to your class. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you out. Uh, here this morning. And if you take your Bibles and turn with me, I'd like to have you turn to the book of Psalm. Uh, Psalm uh, Psalm 119 is where we're going to be this morning. Psalm 119. And we're going to begin reading. It's a very long uh, chapter or Psalm. And uh, we're going to begin reading in verse... Um, actually, I, I up there, it's uh, it's wrong on the on the screen it's going to be in verse 113 so 113 is where we're going to begin reading so if you're there psalm uh, 119 verse uh, 113 the bible says i hate vain thoughts but thy law do i love thou art my hiding place and my shield i hope in thy word depart from me ye evildoers for i will keep the commandments of my god uphold me according unto thy word that i may live and let me not be ashamed of my hope hold thou me up and i shall be safe and i will have respect unto thy statutes continually thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes for their deceit is falsehood Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore I love thy testimonies. My flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I am afraid of thy judgments. Well, here in this uh, this psalm, in this passage of scripture, a word that occurs twice here in this psalm, and it's found in verse 14, also in verse or 114 and verse 116, is this word hope, hope. And, uh, you know, I believe a, a very important lesson or subject for us to understand is the great hope that we have through and because of God's word. This psalm is all about God's word and the hope that we have in it is talked about here in this short passage of scripture. Now, the first thing before we get into, and I want to look at what the psalmist here is writing about and talking about here in this psalm, uh, but before we do that, I think it's good for us to, to define the word hope, and, you know, uh, hope uh, can be used really two different ways for spiritual matters. Um, the first type of hope that is talked about, and I want to give you an example of this, uh, Back in uh, Acts chapter 27, we're going to turn there here in a second. But the first type of hope, it can be used multiple different ways. First type is more of wish, wishful thinking. You know, kind of a, I hope, or I'm crossing my fingers. I'm just hoping things will work out. You know, a lot of people have this type of hope today. They hope things will work out the way they want, but in reality... They have no guarantee that anything good will happen. And really, it is just wishful thinking. And I want to give you an example. And you can turn uh, there to if, keep your place here. We're going to come back to this psalm. 
Psalm 119. And if you if the uh, text is a little small uh, there, you can turn to uh, Acts chapter 27. But I want to give you an example of this sort of hope that I'm talking about, this sort of wishful thinking, I hope things will work out. The Bible gives us an example of this in Acts chapter 27, beginning in verse uh, really 13. And in this passage of Scripture, uh, here is an account that is given, a narrative, and a, the, the, the account of a voyage that the Apostle Paul was on. And uh, Paul was a prisoner at this point in time, and he was on a trading vessel as a prisoner. And this passage gives a, a detailed account of this trip that he took. And in verse number 13 of Acts chapter 27... The Bible says, and it's not on the screen, um, the screen starts with verse 14, but verse 13 says, And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. Now, verse 14, but not long after, so they're on this, this, this uh, ship, they're headed, uh, their directions towards Rome, but it says not long thereafter, there arose against it a tempest, tempestuous wind called Euroclidon. And when they when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Claudia, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, strike straight uh, struck sail and so we're driven. Verse 18. And we being exceedingly tossed with, temp- with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship, and the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither the, the sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay, uh, lay on us, notice the words, all hope, that we should be saved was taken away. And this is quite the storm. And this is the kind of hope where these people that were on the boat, they were hoping something would save them from shipwreck. There was this fierce storm. And when you uh, read about it, this was a storm that lasted 14 days. It was so violent and you know how great the the great or uh, the Mediterranean Sea there is. If you looked at a map, it actually was so violent that it took them down uh, almost to the northern coast of Africa and then brought them back up. And we know that eventually they did uh, shipwreck later on on the island of Melita. But there came a point when they had done these people on. The sailors on this boat had done everything possible that they could, humanly speaking, that all hope that they would be saved was taken away. Now, this hope that the Bible is talking about here is a, a wishful thinking. You know, we see this so often in the lives of people today. You know, when it comes to salvation or when it comes to uh, heaven... Most people will answer, well, I hope so. I, I hope I'm saved. I, I hope I'll go to heaven. 
you know, that's a wishful thinking type of hope. I, I, I hope that's where I'll end up. Now, the Bible, when we look at God's word, the Bible, it declares we can have a no-so salvation. Over in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, These things has have I, or God, has, has written unto us that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You know, this is one of the most joyous things that I believe as a uh, that a Christian can have in their life. This, 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 this fact that we don't have to go through life with a wishful thinking that one day, ah, boy, I hope we'll get to heaven. I hope I'll make it into heaven. It's very simple. The Bible says, he that hath the Son hath life. But there is this kind of wishful thinking people have today. Hoping against all hope that something will happen. That God will save them. That, that maybe they can sneak in through the back door into heaven somehow. I hope I can get there. It's just wishful thinking. This, uh, You know, I, I think at the end everything will kind of just work out. This is the first type of hope. And this is not what is being referred to here in our psalm. The second type of hope, and, and we'll get back to the Psalm 119, verse, uh, getting back to our passage of Scripture, but the second kind of hope, it's not a wishful thinking type of hope, but it is a confident expectation type of hope. You know, we are a people of this type of hope. It's not a hope that maybe something will happen, but a confident expectation that something will happen. When the Bible talks about the rapture, when we talk about the rapture, and as the Bible talks about it, it speaks of a blessed hope. And it doesn't mean that uh, we as Christians think that, well, uh, you know, we're just sitting around hoping that it, the rapture may actually occur. No, you know, maybe Christ could come today. We don't know if the rapture is really going to happen. No, we have a confident expectation that it will happen. It will happen. We, we don't know when, but that is our hope. We have this blessed hope. And the Bible, the, is, it, it's talking about a confident expectation that it will happen. Not a wishful thinking. We read in Titus chapter 3 and verse number 7. It says this, that being justified by his grace, <clears throat> we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, this doesn't mean eternal life is a nice thought that we can use for comfort. And, you know, that's not when we talk about eternal life uh, for the for the believer. It's not like, well, just uh, just, you know, to comfort ourselves, knowing that we'll uh, you know, you have the hope of heaven, the comfort of heaven. No, it's a it's a confident expectation. You know, uh, it's not an idea of, well, maybe heaven is real or um, maybe it isn't. But, you know, it's a nice thought. No, listen to the words that Jesus said in John chapter five and verse twenty four. 
Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Not maybe or, uh, you know, you may have everlasting life. No, you haven't. If you believe on the Son, if you have the Son, uh, Jesus says you have everlasting life. You are passed from death unto life. There is a confident expectation. You and I know this morning that we can, you and I can know this morning that we have everlasting life. I'll explain why we can say that in a little bit this morning. But you see, hope is the confidence of faith. Hope is the confidence of faith. Let me uh, explain what I mean by that. You see, hope, any hope that you have, but hope must be grounded in someone or something. It has to be grounded in something. The men of the ship, back in uh, Acts chapter 27, they had hope, but there it wasn't really in someone or something. They were, it was just a wishful thinking type of hope. The men in the ship had no confidence that they would be rescued, did they not? You read the account, they did, they did not have any confidence that they were going to be rescued. They had nothing to base their hope uh, for deliverance on. Nothing. All they were left with was wishful thinking. They were crossing their fingers and had wishful thinking that perhaps they could be saved. They had no ships in the area. No encouraging weather report. If they had apps back then, it was just a 100% chance of storm. <laughs> no, Nothing to base their hope on. I looked at the weather report for Monday. Uh, my son has a baseball game, so I'm like, oh, I wonder if we're going to play that game. Well, it said 99% chance of rain. So... So I have hope. <laughs> a one. No, these men on the ship, they had nothing. Nothing to base their hope on. Hope must be grounded in someone or something. There was no search and rescue planes, uh, you know, flying over looking for their ship. Nothing. You know, and what hope they did have, uh, they once had, they... They had uh, the captain and the crew. If you notice, uh, if when you read the entire uh, story there, you read about how the crew, the captain, they were already planning and figuring out a plan to ditch the ship, leave everyone else on the ship, and escape to safety for their own. If it wasn't for Paul, he caught wind of this uh, plot to that they were going to, uh, escape, and he ended up telling the Roman centurion, who you know was overseeing him, and and uh, and they took care of that. But you see, this is like <clears throat> like the false hope so many have for salvation. You know, this is this type of hope. It's entertained by many that you know when my life ends, I'll enter heaven. Well, I I hope I'll enter heaven, and really. That is a hope that so many have today, but it is a hope that is based 
on lies and deceit. I want to give you three, uh, three lies or deceits that fool people today. And the first is this ability of self. This thinking that, you know, my life is good enough. I've been good enough that, you know, I, I think I'm okay. You know, I'm better than most people. You know, uh, how many of us, uh, we always are judging ourselves. Even Christians, we judge ourselves amongst other Christians. Well, I'm doing more than so-and-so. And, but people base, they have this, this, they're deceived into thinking that, you know what, I'm better than most people, so I think I'm good enough. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. You know, uh, none of us are good enough for heaven. None of us, not one of us. The Bible says none. None are righteous. You know, another common lie or deceit that people fall into with their hopes are that my good will outweigh my bad. You know, I'm more good than bad, as if God has a scale up there in heaven. Well, again, the Bible says that uh, in Isaiah 64, verse number 6, it says, But we are all as unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. That means all of the good things that we do, and we can do good. You and I can go about doing good, but... The Bible says that in the eyes of God, all of our goodness are as filthy rags. You know, we do things in the sight of others, and they may marvel. They may say, wow, you're, you are such a good person. You know, you go to church. That's a good thing to do. You uh, give to your church or give to charities or you do these other things, and you and I may look at them and say, wow, they are a good person. But you see, in the sight of God, the Bible says those things, those good things that we do, are filth. Because God is perfect. He is, he is sinless. He is pure. And the good things that we do can't even measure up to what he does and what his standard is. And so people are deceived into thinking that the good that they do will get them into heaven, not according to what God says in the Bible. And then here's a big one, especially in today, uh, today's day and age, is people imagine a God who doesn't exist. What do I mean by that? This would be really, a, uh, this is all over the world, but really the God of America you know, a lot of people think that God is, he's just too loving, too caring to send anybody to hell. Now, God is loving, but, you know, this thought, this imagination that people have, that God would never send me to hell, God would never send my, my uh, grandmother, my grandfather to hell, they're good people. Well, understand that is a God that you have imagined that doesn't exist. It's, uh, it isn't the God of the Bible. 
And if we create or make up a God the way that we want him to be, then how are we really different than any other pagan religion? Oh, you know, and what a way to live our life, to have this type of hope. Proverbs 11, verse 7, gives a statement of the false hope so many have today. It says, when a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of the unjust men perisheth. You know, people have based their hopes not on what God has said, but maybe on what their religion or church has told them how to get to heaven. And it's an unfounded hope. You see that when death comes, their hope, as this verse says, when death comes, their hope perisheth. It's too late. Over in Ecclesiastes, and chapter 9 and verse 4, really what this verse is saying is once you die... Your eternal destiny is fixed, and it's set forever. This verse kind of puts it a different way than how you and I might, might, um, might normally express it. It says in Ecclesiastes 9 and verse number 4, For to him that is joined to all the living there is hope. In other words, as long as you are alive, there is hope. There is still an opportunity for salvation. It says, then it goes on and says, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. And it's an interesting way, but what the Bible is saying here, you know, in the Bible, dogs were really counted uh, to be, you know, not much of an animal. Uh, today, you know, dogs are actually, uh, you know, cared for more than kids sometimes. But, you know, in the Bible, you, you read about dogs, it's, uh, you know, they ate from the table. You know, it's it's not a... Uh, they were a low uh, low on the, the, the totem pole, so to speak. But a lion, a lion was the king of the beasts. But a dead lion, what good is that? A dead lion, you know? When death comes, it's the great equalizer. All our hopes end in death. You can conjure up whatever hope you want, but when death happens, if you, all our hopes end in death, if you have the wrong hope. Now, let's get back to the psalm, Psalm 119, verse, um, verse 114. Now look at the psalmist's hope. You know, as the psalmist is writing here, we explained there are a couple different types of hopes. There's the confident expectation that something will happen. There's also the wishful thinking type of hope. Let's look at the psalmist's hope and focus on what was it grounded in. What was his hope grounded in? In one, verse 114, he says, I hope in thy word. He didn't have hope in his ideas or what the high priest of Israel might have thought in his own mind. And I hope you're listening because this is the whole point of this psalm. It's the whole point of this lesson this morning. And it's this. The word of God is a sure foundation. 
In reality, it's the only foundation. If you turn back to verse 49 of the same psalm, Psalm 119, verse 49, the psalmist says, Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. And in verse 81, he says something very similar. And he says, My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. And in Psalm 130, uh, 130, verse 5, it also speaks about this and says much of the same thing. He says, I wait up for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. You know, how can we have assurance if we're talking about salvation? And we talk about the you know assurance of salvation, how important it is to be assured you know where you're going when you die. We're all going to die one day if the Lord doesn't come back, and he will come back. We know that. But assurance of salvation. You know, I think every Christian needs to have full assurance of his or her salvation. doesn't mean that you won't doubt at times, but you need to have full assurance. And if you go through life and aren't sure about your salvation, number one, that's a miserable life. But number two, as a Christian, if you're unsure of that, how can you ever be effective for the Lord if you're truly doubting? And so a question this morning for all of us is, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved? Do you know? If so, what are you basing that on? Are you basing it on feelings? Like, oh, I feel saved today. I feel like uh, I feel like I'm on my way to heaven. Are you basing it on being in church or feeling good? The question is, is what if tomorrow you don't feel good? Does that mean you're not saved? Some people base it on what their Sunday school teacher <laughs> said to them long ago said, oh, you're saved. You know, Sunday school teachers are great, but they don't know what's going on in your heart. The Word of God does. Our salvation needs to be based on what God says. That is not, not based on what we think or feel. Here's some scripture to show you that our salvation, your salvation, needs to be based on what God has said. Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4 says this, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. That is a confident expectation. I like what it says. If we remove the words patience and comfort, I read it this way, that we through the scriptures might have hope. It is God's word that gives us hope, a confident expectation. Then in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, it gives us the reason why we can trust God's word. Why, why, do, you, why do you and I, why do we trust this book? Well, look at what is said in Titus chapter 1 and verse number 2. It's the Bible that says, In hope of eternal life, that or excuse me, which God that cannot lie. 
promise before the world began. Our hope must be based on the word of God. It has to be. Because if our hope was based on the word of man, understand this, men let you down. The word of man is not always truthful. But God's word cannot lie. And so our hope is in the word of God, needs to be in the word of God. Now, every belief, if that's your belief, you say, well, you know, uh, I believe God's word is true. Every belief, regardless of whether it's in the word of God or in the word of man or in your own idea, every belief is based upon something. Uh, let me give you an example. You know, I think for most of us, I'm sure, uh, most of us would say, well, I believe um, George Washington was, uh, he existed and was the first president of the United States. How many believe that today? All right. Not everyone, but that's okay. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Why? Do you believe that George Washington existed and was the first president of the United States? You know, you weren't around, I don't think. Maybe Brother Connor was around, but <laughs> but for the most most part, none of us, all of us, we were not around. Now, why can we so confidently raise our hand and say, yes, he, he existed, he was the first president? Well, the fact is, is we have based that fact or that belief upon solid evidence, have we not? You know, there are letters, there are accounts, there is overwhelming evidence to support the fact that George Washington was, in fact, the first president of the United States. You may say, well, I believe uh, Robin Hood existed, uh, you know, in med medieval England. Now, uh, I don't know about that. Um, you know, not only were you not there, but you have absolutely no credible proof that he existed. You know, they've never been able to dig up artifacts that prove that Robin Hood, you know, did what he did. And uh, you, you've never, uh, there's no evidence, uh, there's no inscriptions and documents that he existed. And so... You know, that's one where your belief has to be based upon something. And so a foundation for a belief needs to be backed with evidence. So when it comes to the word of God, there's a lot of evidence that backs up the truth of this book. We have, as the Bible says, a more sure word of prophecy. And, you know, this really illustrates the danger of what I was just talking about, this imagined belief. So many people have imagined uh, uh, their own kind of uh, their own doctrine as it relates to salvation. And, you know, the, it really illustrates the danger of that. You know, when you ask them, well, why do you believe that certain way? Why do you believe that your good will outweigh the bad and that will get you entrance into heaven you know the, they'll say well that's just what i think <laughs> how can we say that that's what you think that's what you're basing your eternity on you know as bible believing christians 
we go by the Bible more than anything else because it's the word of God. It's not the word of man. It is a special book. Now, look here in the psalm, Psalm one um, uh, Psalm 119. Look at verse 113. The psalmist says here in this verse, he starts out this by saying, I hate vain thoughts. You know, it's a vain thought to think you know better than what God has said. A lot of people think like this. You know, when you show them something in the Word of God and and they say, well, but I think this. You understand that's a vain thought? To think what God's Word says is, uh, is going to happen won't happen. You know, that is a vain thought. People today say they don't believe in a hell. Uh, or that God would send people to hell. Really, whether you or I believe there's a hell doesn't change the, f- the temperature of hell. <laughs> uh, that is a vain thought. The psalmist said, I hate vain thoughts. Really, this, is a, this psalm that we have read and we're looking at here this morning is really a contrast from where the psalmist is clinging to the truth uh, and contrasting it with the thoughts of uh, and what others believe around him. And you know, the psalmist had seen God work, or God's word work by experience. And over in uh, verse 117, notice what he says. The psalmist says here, I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. You know, this is a great position to have as a Christian. You can only have respect for something that you know is true. The psalmist is saying, you know, I've seen what has happened when people reject God's word. Look in verse uh, 118. In verse 118, the psalmist says, Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes. For their deceit is falsehood. Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross. When people think that they know better than God. The psalmist is making a choice here to say, you know what? From my life, I am going to follow the word of God. He's seen what happens when people don't follow the word of God. And the psalmist is saying, you know, I am not going to trust in the vain thoughts that can be conjured up in my head uh, or in the minds of other people. You know, really, who, you know, uh, who cares? Um, uh, I mean, let me say it this way. You know, really, who cares what Brother Sargent thinks, right? Or what this church thinks. What we should all be focused on is what does the Word of God think? What does the word of God say? You know, this is not, um, this is what we need. We need respect unto the statutes of God's word more than anything else. Because we know that God's word is true. I like what's said in James chapter 5 and verse 11. It says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. 
And ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord. The end of the Lord. The psalmist's prayer here in this psalm, in verse 116, look at the end of it. Uh, it says, Let me not be ashamed of my hope, his confident expectation. Let me not be ashamed of my hope. You know, I'm reminded of, of Abraham and Isaac. Remember the story of Abraham and Isaac there in Genesis? Going back to Genesis where Abraham uh, was told by God that he needed to take his only son Isaac up onto the mountain and sacrifice him. And God had told Abraham that. That was the word of God. You see, you see the faith of Abraham and his hope take place. Abraham believed God more than his feelings, and he knew that God would have to raise Isaac from the dead. Why? Because God had also told Abraham that he was going to create a nation from his seed, and it was through uh, not his seed, but Isaac. And so Abraham believed God so much so his confidence, his hope, his trust was in the word of God that he knew that if God was telling him he had to kill Isaac, that God was going to have to raise Isaac up because he had already promised and given his word that he was it was going to be through the seed uh, or he was going to have to use Isaac there. He knew God kept his word and he wasn't ashamed of his hope. That was the prayer of the psalmist here. Now, before we finish up, let me point out one, uh, one more thing. <clears throat> there are enticements to, to compromise. And uh, the psalmist here, as I said, it's really a comparing and contrasting. He says, I'm going to trust God's word for my life, no matter what is happening around me. And there... There is, in verse 115, in verse number 5, or verse number 5, uh, the first part of verse 115, you see, he says, Depart from me, ye evildoers. And so, yeah, this really uh, points out how to deal with it. You can't coexist with compromise. There are many who will compromise the word of God. And... Um, you know, a fear of the Lord is going to strengthen our hope. In verse, at the very, uh, the very end, 120, the psalmist says, My flesh trembleth for fear of thee. Now, the Bible tells us that God has not given us the spirit of fear in the sense that we would tremble and cower uh, before God. The word fear here really means a healthy respect for what God says. If God says it, then God will do it. And when we have this kind of the fear of the Lord, it will really strengthen our hope. And we'll end with these uh, these two passages of Scripture. Over in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 10, and uh, if you'd like to follow along, you'll need to turn there. But in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse number 32, Paul, in this passage of Scripture, is addressing believers who have put their hope in God. But there was a lot of pressure on them to compromise. And Paul is, is writing to them and encouraging them 
And in verse number 32, he says, But call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great uh, fight of afflictions, partially while ye were made a gazing stock, both to the reproaches and afflictions, and partially while ye became companions of them that were so used. Verse 34, For ye had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods now what paul is talking about here is uh these believers there was pressure of course they were being really ridiculed by others for their faith and belief in god now why would they put up with that why would they put up with that well verse 34 goes on it says knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. You see, their focus, their eyes, were on the promises of God and what God had said. They didn't. It didn't matter what people pointed. You know, people were pointing at them and and what they were saying behind their backs and saying, you know, look at those Christians. This was early on. No, notice in verse thirty-five. Paul goes on and says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. And so their eyes were fixed on the promises of God. And then one final uh, passage of Scripture, and we'll close in Hebrews chapter 6, and verse 17. The Bible says, Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it with an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which endureth into that which within the veil. You know, an anchor is used to hold even the largest ships in place. And the anchor of the word of God. This is what we're talking about this morning in this psalm. The anchor that we have, the confidence that we can have and should have in the promises of God. That's where our hope ought to be. It's the anchor of our soul. It will take us all the way through this life and on into glory. The Bible is our source for hope. We're talking about a confident, having the right kind of hope. Where's your hope this morning? Is it a more wishful thinking type of hope that, well, I, you know, I, I hope what God says in the Bible is true. I hope that if I, if I do this and that, I'll, I'll make it to heaven. No, the Bible speaks about a confident expectation. It will happen. Our hope needs to be in the word of God. Why? Because it's in a God that cannot lie. And this ought to be our hope for this life and for the life to come. Where's your hope this morning? I guess what are you trusting in is the better question. Is it in maybe a, a, a God that you have imagined? Or is it the God of the Bible? Are you hoping on that your good works will be enough? Or is it 
understanding what God says about our good works, that they're filth. And that the only way we can have access to God the Father is through his Son. And so, anyway, I hope that this lesson this morning was uh, an encouragement for you as we, uh, as we be, are reminded of the sure hope that we have in his word. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you. Thank you for your attention.